And we are live for the First Strike Podcast, your host, KYT. Before we start the show, got to plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. This week's sale, very popular sale. We're bringing back 15% off all MTG foils. So a great time to spend your money and, of course, maybe cash in on, on some of that credit chain. So uh, definitely a good time to spend on Face to Face Games. And of course... In the next week, uh, we're going to be announcing our Black Friday special. So you might want to be waiting for that because we're going to be launching a lot of different sales on singles or sealed products. So Black Friday is definitely um, look for some stuff to announcements to come in by early next week as to what we're going to put on sale for our week long Black Friday promotion. Shane's back on the show. We got the regular cast, Elliot, Andy, and John as well. How's it going, my man, Shane? Life's good, man. You know, stomach's full of wings, ready to go. Good. <laughs> We're hoping to get uh, Edgar McElhays on the show as well. So uh, that's going to be exciting. And uh, what did you do? You have a bone to pick with him? No, no, I love Edgar. I, I, it's funny too because. Um, when we were, when we started team face to face, we were trying to figure out, we had the core like four and, uh, we were trying to figure out our fifth and six, actually core three, really. We were trying to figure out the last three, but we had someone in mind. So we were looking down the list of gold pros and, um, I got to know Edgar kind of pretty, um, I knew him for maybe a few months before we started to form the team. And I knew that kid really had the fire, and uh, he was silver and kind of far from gold. But um, we were we had a hard set. You must be gold to join the team, and we um, I kind of fought to make sure he got on there. I said that he I knew he was going to be gold. I didn't have a doubt in my mind, and um, so I told him that, and I told him don't let me down, don't let me look stupid. And he got on the team, and he got hit gold immediately, and it was it was pretty easy from there. So you know he's um, he's definitely one of the better uh, players. Um, that I've interacted with and uh, no bone to pick except for when he has to attack old man Serrani about me dusting off my trophies from olden days and saying I don't got it anymore. I still got it. All right. I, <laughs> whatever. It has just gotten a little bit weaker, but I still have it. So I can still win a match or two. So I had to like, I had to, I had to put that in front of him. All righty. No beef. <laughs> Sounds good. Before we get, get you to jump in on, on your reaction on the, the BNR announcement, because I, I think it's going to be uh, filled with emotion as usual, I just want Elliot uh, give Elliot the platform to to talk about what he's been grinding in the streets with, having success with. I, I see him tweeting a bit about the deck. So, uh, Elliot, what have you been playing online? Uh, so, at the beginning of last week, I got the hookup for a devoted journalist from Aaron Robinson, who's a friend of like Brett Steele and Bosu and those guys. Uh, and he said, you know, take it with a grain of salt because all I do is play devoted Druid decks, but this is busted. Uh, and if you have any reason to be playing modern, you have to play this deck. And uh, sort of luckily for me, I had the opportunity to play a Team Trios tournament this weekend. So I fired it up on Moto uh, and then ended up playing in the paper tournament as well. And he was right. I was just crushing with this turbo devoted Druid list. Uh, plays four Simian Spirit Guides, and every card in the main deck is pretty much just dedicated to the combo, except for like two flex slots. And everything is just you, you've gained Once Upon a Time and Finale of Devastation recently. Um, off the top of my head, those are the two new additions. Eldamri's Call as well, I guess, is kind of that time frame. 
So you just have so much redundancy, so much ability to find the druid. Uh, the Simeon Spirit Guides enable turn two kills. So uh, you have that, you know, even in your bad matchup, you can get free wins factor. Uh, and my, my win rate with the deck is like borderline unbelievable. I've, you know, in the very first league I played with it, I 5 0'd. In the team tournament in my seed, I went undefeated. We ended up splitting the top four. Uh, and I think my average, the average turn my games end on is right around three, including, including losses where I do nothing. It's, it's three and buckets full of turn two wins. So uh, I did ship car a sideboard guide for that. Um, so expect that battle plan out soon, as long as uh, you can get on his case about that. And uh, if, if for whatever reason you're still playing modern, play this deck. John, John, have you uh, run into this deck? I did play it before. A um, friend of the cast, Tangrams, was a proponent of a similar concept where it's Devoted Druid that's like turboing out uh, Turn 1 Devoted Druid. My, my version had uh, Chancellor of the Tangle as well. So I think it's interesting in that, you know, if, if people are trying to outlinear each other, then like a deck like uh, Infect or Neoform or um, Devoted Druid is uh, pretty good. Um, actually, Infect has been doing quite well as well, especially with the uh, Once Upon a Time and Oko uh, as a very good addition. So, um, but um, yeah, Elliot's list, I saw it, it was pretty intriguing. And, you know, like some of his versions have like Chalice of the Void, which we can turbo out on turn one as well, which I think is super strong, especially consider considering that um, Shadow matchups are your some of your worst matchups as well. And getting a turn one Chalice is very strong there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very intrigued. Right, I, I think I'm intrigued as well. Um, and I will definitely get on that guide after the show, Elliot. Uh, definitely will do that. Um, let's let's go straight to the to the BNR uh, announcement. Of course, um, Monday, early links were popping. Uh, John, John already had got the link to it before uh, I don't know before anyone else on Twitter saw it. And I was able to open it and, and react to it earlier than most people uh in standard oko once upon a time veil of summer ban oko is also banned in brawl renin six banned in legacy and narset part of veils banned in vintage uh Shaheen, your your early reaction um i'm not really surprised by a lot of it uh i think on your show last week i mentioned that it was a slam dunk that veil was gonna be abandoned standard it was no doubt in my mind um based on their move in pioneer I said that on the show, right? I'm pretty sure I did. I wrote about about it feels like a do half dozen tweets and then two articles on it, so I uh, might be getting a little confused. But once I banned in Pioneer, I knew that, and I've talked to uh, unnamed R&D developer um, that just admits it is a flat out mistake, and you know, just knew I just knew at that point it was going to be a, get get the axe. So um, I'm really happy about it. I think it opens up a lot of doors in standard. Uh, it, it was it was so it was so stifling to deck creativity and created basically a uh, a, a metagame that had like hard walls on each side that prevented any type of mid range deck that utilized black murderous riders any kind of like you know black green style deck any kind of control deck from ever being successful. I mean, counter spells already bad enough with the fairy time raveler in the format, but now with 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 veil it was you know, impossible to play any kind of control strategy and standard. So I'm really excited about that move. It's really going to push um, 
you know, we're standard wide open. I've already played a few leagues and I've played against my leagues, uh, arena matches, and I've already seen just a wild set of decks. I've seen a lot of the uh, food decks that are still around that use uh, Witch's Oven, and I see a few of the um, Fires of Invention decks kind of lingering around, but then I saw some other new ones, so I'm really, really stoked to uh, get into that for next year. Um, as far as Oko getting banned, we all saw that coming, I'm pretty sure. I think we talked about maybe they took out Goose and Nissa to avoid that if they were trying to be max min-maxing with their uh, you know profit selling selling boxes, not trying to get their one of the newest editions nixed there. But it was just gonna it, I, that was definitely the worst route, the worst road to take. So I think they did great with those three bands: um, Once Upon a Time, Oko, and Veil and Standard. Um, the Legacy one really floored me though. That was I have GP Bologna coming up next week. So I'm going to go there for my honeymoon slash Grand Prix. <laughs> I had my legacy deck ready to go, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to play that crazy mono blue Urza deck instead now that I saw uh, people talking about it on Twitter. So I asked to borrow the cards on one of my local groups, and I'll be playing that deck because um, without running six, the fair decks took a huge hit there. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I talked about it in uh, my, one of my columns this week that came out yesterday about how the um it, it, yeah they needed a band around the six is messed up but they, so is like half of legacy i mean there's so many cards that can be um you know uh create non-games in legacy and it was interesting to choose that one the only reason i think they went with that is back to that deck homogeny like homogeneous style deck building where every fair deck is now playing taiga style colors you have red green and every single one of the fair decks. I mean, even if you weren't playing a control deck with those two colors, you made it possible, uh, either with Astrolabe or with, you know, uh, a dual land or two for the easy splash. And it really made legacy fair decks kind of a boring, big piece of a uh, metagame pile, uh, pie that was, um, you know, just not interesting. So I think that's the reason why they did it. Because um, as far as power level goes, you can play more basics. It didn't really do much a lot against the combo decks. We played, tested against like, Storm and Bomberman and all these things, and they would just maul any deck with Ren and Six. Um, so, like, I don't think it was a power level thing, but it was definitely a deck homogenous reason for that. So, overall, the bannings are great. Um, I think they were necessary, and I don't think um, I think the no banning in Pioneer was also a good call. And I think that the announcement of aggressive bans is, is the way for them to open the door up to make changes when necessary, but every time a tournament expires, making a banning happen is pretty ridiculous. So I wrote extensively about that too, because I think that's uh, the wrong way to go. Hmm. Okay. Andy, what about you? Well, uh, Black Rider Animator is no more. It is no longer playable. One of the only reasons it was playable was because like all the fair decks had Ren and Six instead of like him to Turok. Or more counter spells, so you're screwed. So don't play that deck anymore. Play something else. Uh, I'm glad it happened. Actually, I'm not sure if I'm glad it happened. I, uh, Legacy is wild. I think uh, Renan Six power level wise is fine, but I think Shaheen nailed it. The only thing that you could see name being a problem is like the decks becoming all Renan Six decks because in Legacy, like the fetch dual mana bases just let you do it. So then like. If you're a fair deck, four year, three to four year cards are spoken for, and that's not really what you want in Legacy. Uh, as far as Pioneer, if I was them, I think I would also not ban anything because it's just safer to not ban stuff and like 
give them the time to try and figure it out. We know who the top dogs are right now, see if the metagame can adjust. And if they end up being too powerful that they can't, they can't be beat when there's a known quantity, then yeah, maybe you have to ban something. But I think giving them people time to react is okay. I think it's what I would do. John, were, were you surprised at uh, no ban for standard? Uh, for modern, rather. Um, not really. And the reason I think is that um, I don't think the problem, if there is any, um, is apparent or visibly apparent yet. Whereas standard, like it was, it, it's been in the spotlight for a while, you know, because um, people are commenting about how putrid the standard metagame is. And also, like, I have a lot of, like, legacy friends and they, they have been very vocal about how, um, uh, how the uh, the run on six metagame has been like this homogenized and unpleasant and like it's been like Im it's become inbred and they're comparing it to uh, probe DRS uh, probe DRS uh, Grix Delver era and they're saying how it's like more inbred than it was then which I think is a pretty incredible thing to say since like that was clearly the best deck by far and you know, like it wasn't even close. And the, the fact that Ruck Delver has like reached reached that level, like I think it's saying something and it's just not a fun way to play things. Like uh, play play the game, like running uh, six literally erased like a third or a quarter of the metagame because like you can't really play um, X1s anymore, for example, or you can't play like non-basics anymore. So um, I was surprised by the, by the number of bans. I think the Narset uh, banning uh, Vintage is very good as well, even though Vintage is not a well uh, oft played format, but um, I appreciate R&D or play designer uh, Watsi's um, uh, willingness to be proactive and actually, you know, lay down the ban, ban hammer. Uh, Elliot, do you foresee any anything from your deck being banned if it continues its, its awesome run? Uh, I don't think so. It's one of those decks that is really attacking the format where it is right now. Uh, if if you ever are in a position where you're guaranteed to play against Jun and Death Shadow three times a tournament, you're never going to be winning those tournaments. Those matchups are just like so abysmal. Uh, and, and you know Jun is like a philosophy of state of mind is is just an awful matchup for you. But when the format is more geared towards people playing Urza combo decks and uh, even like the Urza mid range decks are pretty good matchups, I think that's where you're going to be be crushing. So I think that it's going to be more of an adjustment uh, that will effectively ban the deck, if that makes sense. When people start playing more Fatal Pushes, there's no reason to ban Once Upon a Time to hurt the deck or something like that. On the other hand, you could ban Simeon Spirit Guide because free mana is historically busted. So ban Spirit Guide and Mox Opal, and then we don't have to worry about Urza or this deck. I think it's only a matter of time until they ban Opal. I, I was talking to Jim about it. We kind of had extensive talk with Jim Davis over the weekend, and um, he called it a while ago. And I would never, I would never bet money on it. I would put even, I would bet with him that by by years time, that Mox Opal is going to be gone. They're just really delaying it and pushing it. And um, every time we have issues in that format, when we look at, I think the invitation will have like thirty some percent Urza deck, something like that, which is still pretty. If you when you combine Urza and the other, um, uh, just uh, other Urza decks. It's still incredible for modern. Like thirty percent is huge. That's just, um, and, and that's a format. And this is a tournament where people bring their A game. This is a this is a premier level tournament. So I, I really put a lot of weight into um, that meta game. And I, I've been my Ely, of course, you guys obsessed with. If you ever see him tweet, he just streams it nonstop. Um, 
I've got former teammates of mine. Everybody's on Urza. It's just an Urza. Every every player on the tour that is up for um, players championship pretty much sleep that deck up as well. I, I think that it is not that Urza is the problem. It's not that Ironworks is the problem. It's not that Hardened Scales that you know that for that small blurb was a problem. It's really rooted down to Mox Opal um, and Simeon Spear guys. So I 100% agree that they're going to have to. At some point, they're just going to have to suck it up and ban it. And I think the longer they wait, the more annoyed they're going to make people in the format that are dumping $150, $175 for a set of Urza's or whatever the next big Emery-style printing is of powerful artifact cards. Let me let me just opine here that I, I actually like the concept of Modern Horizons, and I really like generally like what they did. And I think Urza's a pretty cool build-around that I think should be in the format. I, I know a lot of people are... Uh, are pining for um, a ban on Urza itself. But for four mana in modern, like traditionally, like you better damn like win the game, you better damn have like a very good effect on the game itself, like Jason Wayne for example. And as Shaheen and like other people have said, like I think the the chief offender really is the free mana and acceleration. So if your four mana bomb gets to land on turn one or turn uh, turn two or turn three, for example, that's the real problem. So I, I do think that Opal has been a big offender for a long time. It's being held as a sacred cow for a while, but maybe this is the um, this is the uh, the catalyst to get it banned finally. I think Urza is fine. Um, I would also miss uh, Simeon Spirit Guide, obviously, if it gets banned, but I mean, free mana, I have like no sympathy for it. That's why I mean, I'm a degenerate player, and that's why all my decks have Simeon Spirit Guide. But if it gets banned, I don't think anyone's going to uh, miss him, to be honest. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, they made Mox Amber, so they're still still willing to push the boundary. I mean, it's obviously that card's garbage at, at first sight, but now it's being played in the deck because you have Emery. So you have other ways to still tap your, your artifact for, for free and zero main artifacts for mana. So I don't know if they're – I mean, this card just came out recently, so I don't know where the end game is for this. Once upon a time, free cards, free mana, every type of, of these style effects have been pretty egregious and hurt hurt the game. and. Um, I think that they released that article when they discussed their errors in play design. I think they're kind of taking ownership of that direction of, of design. I think they're hopefully in the future we won't see as much as that because they're, you're right, Urz is a sweet card. I think that card should stick around. It's still playable even without Mox Opal. Obviously, it won't be busted and it might be more of a tier two, tier three deck, but still it's going to be competitive and um, you can make it more resilient and less fast and still still break out games. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they that's that's nail on the head there we need to kill the offenders and let the actual like cool sweet design cards stick around yeah and let's not also forget that the urza deck right now is not playing the softer sword combo mainly and urza by itself goes infinite with those two cards and that's just not doesn't cut it the deck's no. too good without it so uh i i would you know eventually down the line like to see mox opal or something from that deck go and I also just want to note that obviously Once Upon a Time just got banned in standard, so I'm, I, I don't want people to misconstrue me as saying it's a, a fair representation of a free spell, but I do appreciate them trying to find the balance for these this free mana and free spell because um, you know combo decks are a part of magic, and we have to at some point get cards that support them. Uh, maybe maybe Once Upon a Time should have been in Modern Horizons instead of Eldraine, but the 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 flavor of it was just too sweet. I don't know. But that is a card that is not, like, it's clearly not absolutely busted, 
or else it would be everywhere in modern and legacy and vintage. But it is just, it was a little too powerful for standard and now it's no longer an issue. And I would like to see them continue trying to not push the envelope in terms of how powerful can they make a free spell and have it not get banned, but how weak can they make a free spell and have it still be playable? I think that's maybe the the balance to strike. And I think it's gonna be really interesting once they eventually do strike that balance. I did want to quickly, uh, before we get Edgar on, to mention the, the Toronto Open Plus. That's the first of the three. Well, we only have, we're running three Open Pluses until the end of the year. And then we switch to the F2F Tour uh, for, for, format and schedule for 2020. But the first one was taken down by uh, Jason Tien with Soltai Death Shadow. And among in the top eight, we have Crab Vine, Teamer Snow, Grixis Death Shadow, Burn, Mono Green Tron by former uh, guest of ours, David Goldfarb. We have Ponza in the mix and Simic Urza by Jamie Archdeacon rounding out the top eight. Uh, what's your reaction to all of this, John, to, to some of these results? I think the deck itself, uh, the decks of themselves are pretty uh, predictable. There's like, that's like who's who, but who's top tier, top uh, tier one and tier two in modern. Um, I do have uh, a few questions about like some of the card choices, like basically like Eldraine and like uh, Ward of Spark and Modern Horizon have like unleashed such power crept cards that like I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice um, if you're not playing them or if you're not trying to incorporate them into into some decks. One example, like I would love to have like know what the uh, winner is thinking here with the Buck Shadows, for example. Uh, I don't believe his, uh, his list has either Once Upon a Time or Oko, and um, like the SCG guys like Jonathan Hobbs and Russell Lee, I believe, uh, have been having a lot of good success with Four Color Shadow, for example, that incorporates the Traverse uh, package with Stubborn Denial, but also has the Oko and then also has Once Upon a Time. So, like, I, I like to see that kind of things there. Like, you see Tron, like David Goldfarb, uh, Farb's uh, list have uh, Once Upon a Time, for example, and just things like that, right? It's like there's so much powerful stuff going on that, like, if you're not adapting like on the fly like you're gonna get left behind that, that's my um first thought here um the archetypes themselves as i said are pretty uh standard tier one tier two but i'm more interested in the macro uh micro uh level of um the decisions that they have uh they have here. okay uh what about you elliot anything sticks out uh well, certainly this Saltai Death Shadow deck is the opposite of what you want to play against if you're if you're playing Devoted Druid, the deck I'm advocating for. So if you if you play at his local game store, maybe watch out for that. Um, but it's like John said, this is sort of the who's who of modern right now. Uh, other than I guess like a low representation of Urza, um, although I'm not sure how much you can chalk that up to, you, not necessarily card availability, but to to be going into a tournament like this, it's hard to pick up a brand new modern deck and become proficient with it in a short amount of time. Uh, so it's like a pretty big ask. I think like Mox Opals are over a hundred dollars. Urzas are expensive. So you know, say to say you know, spend a grand on this modern deck just to prepare for this one open plus a big ask. So maybe that's the reason behind it it, it not showing up more and. Maybe the top 16 is full of it. I'm not sure, but uh, that's that's the one interesting fact to me is that there's there's only the one copy. Mm, okay, um, and John, one, one quick thing: how, how prepped are you for for the Vancouver Open Plus? Are you playing that? Are you working with Warren? What's going on? 
We have a we have a bunch of good uh, grinders uh, in the Vancouver area. I'm working like I, I've talked to uh, Warren. Like I talk to him every day. I've, I've talked to Marcus Tebow and like Tangrams, just like trying to work closely on uh, what's doing uh, modern as well as Pioneer. Um, I have the uh, Pioneer mocks Saturday, so I'm gonna focus on that. But we'll we'll see uh, we'll see where I go. Like there's a chance I'm not like playing Neoform here in a in a field of like. A lot of like Eldrazi Tron and like Grixis Shadow, for example, uh, and humans, which are kind of like bad matchups. But I am interested in, you know, trying to find a way to exploit this uh, metagame here, like Infect with like Oko and Once Upon a Time, for example, seems interesting. And, you know, uh, things like that. I don't think Urza is really for me, but I have the cards, so maybe I'll give it a try here. Uh, I know a lot of people have tried the Simic Urza deck and have had a lot of success to it, but I'm not sure if you can attribute that to the metagame as a whole, not knowing how to counteract that, or if the deck is actually like super high power level. I'm pretty sure it's super high level power level, but I'm not sure if it's like appreciably better than like Eldrazi Tron, for, for example, which I know for a fact that it's like you know, a strongly tier one. A lot of like uh, magical online grinders have had immense success with it. So um, I still have a few more weeks to go, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to exploring the format. I don't think it's solved whatsoever, so we'll see where I go. All righty, well, welcome back. Frequent guest Edgar Magohay is back on the show. Really excited to have him on, especially uh, for some fortunate, some good news from the weekend from him. But uh, let's start with something uh, a little lighthearted. Edgar, um, has the game passed Shaheen by? Is this uh, is this a thing? Absolutely. I, I have never <laughs> met someone more washed in my entire life. <laughs> That's not true. You had Nassif on our team. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I mean, easy second uh, place there. I mean, I mean, Shaheen's great. He's just uh, he's a little loose, and he's just got I infinite clout from his years of playing the same decks over and over again. That now, even when he loses with them every week, that it just doesn't matter. Very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the seep was more washed than you, Shaheen? Oh, not it's not even close. I mean, like he's he's a, he's basically an FNM competitor. No offense, to FNM competitors at this point, but. Compared to us, yeah, I'm like an IQ level player. He, he's just not there yet. He dropped, man. I mean, he did do well at the online Mythic Invitational, but or not Invitational, Mythic Championship, the digital one. But like before that, man, the man couldn't buy a win. That was bad. All right, Edgar. Last, uh, I think every time we've had you on, you've, you've either were about to put up a good result or just recently put up a good result, and then you were with many familiar faces on the SCG leaderboard. Um, and then last month you, you had, I mean, well, for me, it was like a heartbreaking tweet that the stress of, for the race of the Players' Championship got to you. Um, what was your mindset then? Uh, I mean, update us a bit about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of something I've never really felt before. Like I, I've been in a lot of high stakes matches and like I hunted gold before, but I, I never really got to the point where uh, I was really under like that kind of time crunch in terms of competition. And uh, I, I was really starting to feel it. Uh, it was at it was at Star City Indie where I felt it the most. Um, it was like the second to last open. I was like falling behind in the race because everyone was doing so well every week. Like I, I had a two weeks prior to that, I had a pretty good buffer. I was like three people ahead or something, but then uh, both Drake Sasser and uh, Zach Allen had like an an insane uh, series of events, so it, it really got to me, and it was really uh, something that I I never really felt before. And 
it was it was quite an interesting experience and i mean i'm just glad i came out on the on the good side of it but it was uh it was pretty tough for sure so what was your situation he heading to to this past weekend how likely were you to make it uh so this past weekend i was um i was first out uh, going into the Invitational, so if everything held the same, I would I would have been the first person not to qualify for the Players Championship. But I was only off by one point. Uh, that's how close the race was. Uh, so basically, there was me, uh, Ross Merriam, Collins Wallen, Jonathan Hobbs. Uh, the four of us were vying for three spots, uh, all around the same the same number of points. And then Zach Allen was like about a match win ahead of us uh, in terms of uh, finishing at the Invitational. Um, Zach Allen ended up not day twoing, so then the, it was kind of like the the five of us were vying for four spots. But it, it was it, it was close basically the entire time. Uh, once I got my eleventh win um, on day two, that's when when I locked things up. But basically up until that point, uh, it, any any four of the five of us could have qualified. So how was your prep heading into this weekend? So I had the the pro tour the week before. Um, in Richmond, and that's what I say with the, the face guys, with Shaheen and them. Uh, I didn't really prep that much for that event, honestly, because I cared more about the uh, the pl Players' Championship and, and thus the Invitational. So I was playing a lot of Pioneer before that and a lot of Modern, but uh, between the Pro Tour and the Invitational for that week, I stayed in North Carolina with the Lotus Fox guys, uh, just in the Lotus Fox house where uh, six of the eight team members live there, everyone but Rossum and, uh, and Abe. And and myself, of course, and uh, I just stayed there the entire week, and we just we just played Magic, 20, 12 to fifteen hours a day, basically. It was it was just full boot camp mode. We played a, a lot of Pioneer. We tried to to break the format there. We uh, made sure that we weren't rusty and modern, or or uh, like discuss what we wanted to change. But we were pretty confident in the Urza deck, so we put a lot of our focus on Pioneer. And I mean, it was just a, it was just a great week. We it was a lot of fun. Like obviously, these are some of my closest friends as well, but. We we really just got got in the trenches and just tried basically every every strategy under the sun. I was championing uh, in Soul Artifact for the majority of the week, and that was my front runner up until basically the day before the Invitational. Uh, and Zan and uh, Dom were the ones that were working on this like a uh, Devotion Scales hybrid deck, and people were working on different decks. And then eventually we just uh, put all hands on deck on the on the Scales deck, and that's where we all ended up, all seven of us. And so, well, according to SCG, you were tenth. Yeah, I finished tenth place. I lost my win in it for top eight. And how, so, how did the scales do deck do for for the whole team? Uh, I think it did overall pretty well. I finished six two myself. Um, I think Collins also went six two with it. I'm not sure about the other people's personal records, but I I, I don't think anyone bombed out with the deck. Uh, Rossum started off four zero with it. No, he started off 3-1 day one, and then I think he went 2-2 on day two. It, it was, like, overall solid. It wasn't, like, a dominant performance by by any means, but, I mean, we going into it, we knew what we wanted to beat. Uh, the deck was pretty favored against the other green decks. Uh, it was pretty favored against Insola, and it was behind against the control decks, which we didn't expect too much of. Um, and I think we predicted that pretty well. Uh, the deck ended up performing uh, basically exactly how we thought it would. What would end up being, like, the, the breakout deck or the, the most dominant deck of the tournament? I think the most dominant deck was probably just Mono Black, uh, which uh, could have been a surprise to some, but it, it did win the PTQ or or the challenge. I, I don't remember which one the the week before the Invitational. So it it was on people's radars, but then it ended up still winning, uh, even with a, a target on its head. Uh, the deck is like pretty consistent, and 
Uh, although there were some online events, not everyone plays online that much. And uh, going into the Invitational, we, we kind of expected it to be very similar to like a week one standard metagame where uh, people are trying things. Some things are going to be too cute. People are going to be building, uh, playing untuned decks. And uh, you probably want to be on some sort of a proactive, aggressive strategy. So I'm not, not surprised at all to see that Mono Black won. Uh, our our green black skills deck was also pretty proactive, uh, pretty aggressive in its own right. It, it had some turn four kills in it, even uh, very, can be very explosive some games. But it, it's definitely nowhere near as linear as a mono black deck. Um, probably probably something that we underrated in testing. Uh, I know we didn't we didn't test it that hard at all actually, uh, but we we were just uh, pretty honed in uh, towards the second half of the week on on just playing once upon a time and and eight elvish mystics uh, effects just because. That engine is so undeniably powerful. John, did you have a, your pulse on any of these uh, decks that did well at the Invitational uh, between Scales, Mono Black, and then I see two copies of, of Mono Green Devotion at the top? Yeah, so Todd, Todd Anderson, ever since the first week, Todd Anderson has been touching uh, with the Mono Green Devotion and it's been uh, well. It's it's been pretty um, pretty apparent that it's one of the best decks even after Leyline of Abundance. So I expected a lot of that happening here. Mono Black um, Aggro um, for anyone who's like remotely tuned in or um, informed in terms of online results or matched online uh, queues. Um, I think I I I I wasn't surprised at all that it was like a dominant force and I won the tournament as well. The Hardened Scale deck um, definitely was impressive. I looked at both the normal hardened scale uh, list as well as the devotion list. And certainly it, it, it's clear that like the Lotus Box team put a lot of time into it and it looks smooth as well. I That was like kind of like out of, um, out, out of my, uh, out of, out of my um, thinking for me for, for that particular weekend. I wouldn't have accounted for as much as that, but obviously like, there was a lot of good players that played it. Um, other than that, like I, I, I expected like Bant Ramp or, you know, Bant Fields or like a Green Tron sort of deck to be prevalent. And uh, Autumn Bristret, uh they played a pretty interesting looking Green Black Field deck, which is pretty much what I, uh, which is the archetype that I expected um, to be in the top three um, per, uh, personally. But in a different build, I, uh, they did very well with it as well. Um, but there wasn't a lot of other ramp there. But other than that, like, Scales is a bit surprising, but other than that, like it was like what I personally expected. But you know, it's very easy to get left behind in Pioneer here with the flow of information on Twitter and social media. Like, like the best deck in one week is going to get left behind like very quickly if you're not paying attention. So that's like part of the uh, part of the fun, I guess. Yeah, and then when when's the I have to check the the calendar, John. When's the next uh, Pioneer? It's for, so like every Friday again. So what's going on is um, we have the uh, Magic Online Pioneer Mocks event this Saturday, and then the next week is going to be a pretty fun one. It's going to be one full week of Pioneer PTQs, one every day. And uh, this culminates on Friday where there's a 10 a.m. PTQ and then a 10 p.m. PTQ, and then on Saturday there's a 7 a.m. PTQ. So I know a few of uh, I, I, I know a few uh, streamer friends who are planning to do like 24 hour or like a very like long grind here considering like you can really be playing for more than like 24 hours but um, yeah as I said like from Monday to Sunday there's gonna be one PTQ every day just to like kind of highlight the highlight the uh, format I think so if I was younger you know like I'm totally degenerate like, you know try to take a week off and like like stream or like playing every PTQ that sounds pretty fun but 
um, pioneer in the next week is definitely going to be um, in the spotlight. So Edgar, I know the SUG has been your main focus, but but have you been dabbling with, with these online PTQs at all? Uh, no, because I'm actually qualified for the next Pro Tour still, even though I've been playing a lot of Star Cities. So I'm running out soon. Eventually, they're going to kick me off. But uh, yeah, they at the last Pro Tour, they announced that everyone who finished uh, 11.5 or better at the previous Pro Tour was qualified for the next one. So luckily, don't have to play any of those PTQs, although playing a full week of Pioneer does sound like it would be pretty fun. <laughs> Man, luckily for Shaheen too, he got he got that free advice. So we can't we can't even see. Yeah, we can't let him go yet. Yeah, we can't let no. him go and have him prove that he still has well, it. No, I mean I, I I proved I have it. I went five three in Pioneer at the invitational. <laughs> um, actually, the funny part was I didn't get a lot of testing in at all with Pioneer, and but from a um, theory side, I knew that you know Fatal Push, Thought Seize, Liliana, The Last Hope. The fairy Dooku time Gearhawk is just a, a sick dynamic combination. I knew that eight elf decks were prime for some supreme verdict, you know, breaking down there. So I knew I kind of had a shell idea, and I knew just in theory it would be good. And then um, round one of that tournament, I lost to the eventual winner, where I was up a game, and then game two, I just got I was trying to hurry up as the clock was ticking down. I don't know why, but I basically had two gear hawks and play and attack them and just try to hurry him pass. And he had two scrap heap scroungers in his graveyard I completely forgot about. So um, just died. So I was just a lot of weakness and rough, like rustiness in the format. Um, I should have had him. And then I played against Abe. Um, you know, I lose to him about once a tournament, Lotus Box guy. And he, um, again, up an easy game or a, a game one we're playing and I don't know. Do you know that Vivian gives his creatures trample too? Did you know that? Who knows that, right? That four man of Vivian that gives counters gives trample too. It's outrageous. So I like chump block with a gear hulk and I think I'm alive and I'm dead. And I have fatal push my hand and it's uh, too late. So um, like, like uh, Edgar says, I'm pretty washed, but I, I have good deck ideas and I think that, and Pioneer especially, this Esper deck I have is really, really good. It's not like Shaheen good. <laughs> it's always it's an Esper actually, deck. <laughs> it's actually really, really good. My Esper deck in Modern I played was pretty horrible. Uh, Stoneblade, I just wanted to play my own thing. But in, in Pioneer, the list I ran and I wrote about the week before, uh, I like I said, I went 5-3. I, I mushed Dominic Harvey easily. Um, and Abe, I should have swept as well if I knew what cards did. So, like, it, it's really well positioned against the Devotion decks. It's a, a breeze against the Mono Black deck if you just don't play like a buffoon. Um, and it's actually only really weak against the Field of the Dead decks. Um, I stole a win against one of them, but I definitely don't want to see that. But just being able to cast, like, Torrential Gearhawk and Flashing Back Dicky Time is just a stupid interaction. And it, I just never lost after doing that, that series of plays. So, um, I, I can give you that list, too, and you can run with it. Can't watch me post for me. There's a there's Good. like a, a chess variant that's called like head in hand or like brain in hand, where you get two people and one person picks the piece and the other person chooses how to move it. Maybe you need that Shaheen where you just like you brew the deck, you're the brain, and then you hand it off to the hand like an actual good player like Edgar. Oh and then maybe you guys I'm can win the you. tournament. And the worst part is like I, I'll advertise this deck like I told Edgar about. We were at I talked to Edgar in chat. I talked to um, John Rossum in chat. I talked to Abe Corgan in chat. I talked to all these people, and they didn't. They they messaged me, and I told them these decks. 
and they 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 wave it off and i like i sound like the crazy person i'm like i promise this deck is not me good it's just good i'm telling you it's good to trust me on this one and every i tried time, a lot of your deck shaheen it was no, not good no man i, I will then explain <laughs> it how did i i mean i would i played both your teammates and it was it was a joke like the match was a joke like fatal push thoughtsies is just a higher power level than fight hydra and vivian man <laughs> it's just easier easy game i will say that uh Pete, Pete Ingram, he played a blue-white deck that did look pretty good, and it's something that I also consider a very similar style to what Shaheen is talking about right now, just with like a slightly better mana base, it has Field of Ruin, so you can combat the Field of the Dead decks. Uh, it seems like it's something that will probably be a role player in the format once it becomes more developed, but it's just it's very difficult to pull the trigger on a control deck week one of the format when you don't know what people are going to show up with. That's always a, a sketchy thing to do, especially going into such a large tournament. I agree. And you guys had a lot at stake, too. I mean, obviously, with the Players' Championship, you guys needed pretty exact records or decent records. So you don't want to, like, roll the dice on that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but I, moving forward, I don't see – if people keep ignoring the Dick Time Gear Hulk interaction, at least they won't get banned for a while. But it's going to have to. Like, just Dick Time, it doesn't matter if there's fetch lands or not, no fetch lands. You can play enough cheap spells to make it still just as stupid as it's always been. Uh, just want to touch on a, quickly a bit of modern. Edgar, you said you, you didn't have to worry about it. You knew your Urza list was good. There's still some important tournaments uh, to end of the year for, for modern, and especially on, on the F2F series. Uh, this weekend is the Calgary Open Plus. Winner gets qualification to the Players Tour. So would you just safely recommend the, the Civic Urza deck that you ran pretty solid? Uh, yeah, Pretty much, absolutely. I, I think that that shell of a deck is probably the best thing you can be doing in Modern until they make some changes. It's just, it's so consistent, it's so powerful. All, all of your cards, for the most part, are individually powerful, and then uh, if you ever draw them in tandem with each other, just they just boost each other even more after that. And um, tinkering around with the flex slots, like we played Karns this pack, past weekend to one-up the mirror because we expected a lot of that in the field, and to uh, improve the amulet matchup a bit. Or you can play Worth after Foundry, like we did in Atlanta. It's, uh, it's kind of your just your choice. It kind of almost just doesn't matter, just because like the rest of the shell is so good, and it's basically going to come down to whatever matchups you expect to play against. But I think that shell of a deck is just it's just so unbelievably powerful, and it's I wouldn't really see myself playing anything else at at this stage in modern. Uh, Elliot, remind me how how you would sell someone on playing Devoted Druid instead. Uh, well, you're just trying to be uninteractive, which is always one of the good angles to be attacking modern from, I think. The Urza deck, don't get me wrong, is incredibly powerful, and I wouldn't fault anyone for playing it ever, but uh, based on my small sample size, I was pretty comfortable with the Urza matchup with the deck. Um, being able to board in Chalice on the play against them is is exceptionally powerful. They Their deck borderline doesn't function when you have a Chalice on zero, so... Um, I think e either of them is a totally fine choice, but mine's way cheaper and way easier to learn. So <laughs> that's a good sell. That's a good sell. Um, Andy, I'm going to get you on here. Um, what are your latest tweets, man? I feel like doing nothing today, burn out of full-time work and full-time school. The poster got me feeling bleh. So how are you, how are you feeling, my man? Is, it, is the world coming down on you? <laughs> well, I'm a, so I work full-time as a, an administrator for at a bank, and I also go to school full-time. And uh, then I took the week off to go to the Pro Tour and test, like, every day. And so when I got back, I'm just trying to catch up with school, trying to make sure I get all my work stuff done. And 
it's been a it's been a lot like uh, thankfully i only have like three weeks left of it i knew going in that it was going to be like a really rough few months doing full-time work in school but it's almost over so i'm starting to feel a little bit better but it's 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 getting me so what kind of magic are you doing? Are you just like, you tweeted that you were rooting for Edgar and you asked if, if, if top 1K in arena still mattered. So what kind of magic are you able to put in and, and you think you're going to be able to put in until the rest of the year? Well, the first bit of magic was putting all my rooting powers into Edgar's success. The second bit of magic is just trying to hit a top 1K and limited on arena so I can play the arena PTQ thing. And that's kind of all I'm going to do this month, I think. Actually, I'm going to play that Pioneer Mox on Saturday because I have Saturday off. I'll so net deck a deck. Probably not from Final Note, but I'm sure I'll ask him what, what he'll play. <laughs> what, so, what are you grinding up the ladder in standard with? I'm grinding in limited. Uh, I think it's a lot easier to hit top 1K in limited. You can just kind of pound it out in like a week of just drafting a lot. And uh, for standard, phew, I don't know what's good at all. Thankfully, there's this Twitch Rivals thing that's pretty cool. That's happening, and I can't wait to just, like, scour it once it's all done. It's a little off-putting that, like, you can't watch people's streams live. Like, I was going to watch a bunch of streams, but the fact that I couldn't watch them live, I watched none. So I was pretty uh, pretty sad about that. I understand why they're doing it. I just think it's a bad move. Um, Mangucci and I are uh, – we're talking about Esper. He's playing a he, – he took my horrible list and made it so good in, like, two seconds. Like, actually, the mana is really good in his. It's just like a – four of each duel and four fable pass is beautiful it's just beautiful my favorite thing with the shaheen deck is it always comes down to you telling everyone that the man is fine and nobody really believing you <laughs> well i try to put narsa in my deck and murderous rider and time wipe and yeah so, so like he, you have actually cleaned it up pretty nice you have this like massive clout for being the Esper guy forever, but you also have the reverse clout where now no one will trust you because you'll play Esper forever. You know, the funny thing is too, like I, I do dip out and then I get crushed when I dip out. I dip out and played food at the Pro Tour and just can't do it, man. Do you think can't it's because it. like uh, you almost like you don't want to lose, but like it'll make you feel smarter losing because you're like, I should have played Esper. I told you guys. You know, you're, you're in my head right now. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> not going to block this trample creature. Not going to kill it. And then he just goes like, to the next it. day and, and goes 6-3. And it shows us. I did. I went. I was 5-0. I played food three times like I thought I was going to play at the Grand Prix. Crushed it all three times. And I played against stupid Lotus Box people playing their, their dumb new cat deck. And I got murdered. I couldn't beat draft on commons and commons. Witch's Oven and Trail or Trail of Crumbs, unbeatable. I can really appreciate how multiple times we've had Shaheen defending whether or not he still has it, and then he just finishes off with a young gun coming in and fixing his mana base by putting just every dual land in it, as if that was hard to figure out. Genius. <laughs> no, the, the, when they come in that? to fix it, the young guns come in, they fix it by removing all my double spells and just saying, you know what? Just gotta lay, I know you like Narset, but it's time to let go. You just can't do it. Play Chemistry's Insight. Okay, I can do that. The fourth Watery Grave? Oh, he's a genius. He's <laughs> <laughs> a masterpiece Cal now. The Calcano 3 Sulfur Fall deck. Hey, we all, all us older folks get confused. Four of Dueling. The, the, the mana's fine. It's just the cards I put in there are, are they definitely stretch it. But it's just like, 
you know, if in modern or in Pioneer right now, you we tried I tried like languish. If you look at my Asperlish, you'll see like languish in the original ones, and with good mana. And then I'm like, even Edgar messaged me. He, he can verify saying that languish is terrible. You gotta play verdict because you get stubbed and you know can't kill things. So you just have to roll the dice and play double white, double black, double blue. It works out. This became okay. very judgy. This, yeah, this there episode, is literally no judgy, other option. Right? So very judgy on the other. <laughs> What's Edgar got? There? This this is an intervention machine. <laughs> we love you. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up, Andy. Let let Shaheen know with, with some fun stuff. Let Shaheen know why you think the Baltimore Ravens are gonna beat the 49ers. In the because Super Bowl. he is Houdini. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is unreal. He's MVP. Pretty crazy how all they had to do was build the playbook around him and all of a sudden he's the best player in the NFL. I think that Baltimore will also win because San Francisco has one healthy defensive end left or two tops. As their their top receiver is Debo Samuel, which none of your listeners know who that is. He's a rookie they drafted this year. Um, their defense is in shambles right now. So I, I just Injuries are going to catch up to the Niners, and they, every week it's just two or three more people that are getting rocked. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bloodbath. I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's not going to be close. Do you think Lamar will put up another 40 ball? I think so. I think it's going to be 30, 30 – uh, my f- prediction here, first, first strike right here will be final score, 17-33 Baltimore. That's my prediction. And I'm an Irish fan, bleeding heart. But <laughs> I, I know the truth, man. I see the paper. I'm not blind. All right. Well, we'll finish the show. Edgar, what's up next for you? Anything you want to plug, shout out? The floor is yours. Uh, well, my next event is the Players' Championship. So uh, just going to be testing for that until then. But uh, besides that, you can, you can find me on Twitter. That's where you can reach me if you have any magic questions or anything. And shout out to Team Lotus Box for helping me out, I guess. Sweet, sweet. And with that, uh, John, John, anything else? No, Andy, Elliot, probably not. We're all good. Edgar, Shaheen, once again, thank you so much for coming back on and uh, getting your thoughts. And, and I look forward to 2020 where I'm, I'm going to track. I'm going to track personally, like, who's going to have the better year between Edgar and Shaheen? Who has it? Who's going to have the effect? Oh, yeah. Let's do it right let's now. Let's do it. Let's do the it. Race begins. All right. <laughs> Ciao, everyone.